Welcome, and thank you for tuning into Organon, the official podcast of Ology Research Group, exploring contemporary social issues via data insights and change. Bullying in grade school is a well-researched topic. There's tons of campaigns aimed at reducing bullying in schools, in creating a safe and welcoming environment, and ensuring that the adverse consequences of bullying are avoided. On this episode, Carl and Casey talk about an interesting project that the team at Ology is currently working on, which will be presented through the New York State Public Health Association's Best Practices and Innovations webinar series on November 20th of this year. In this conversation, we talk about our motivations behind choosing our topic, some statistical methods, and what's desired as we contribute to the fields of public health and education and the research and practice in both of those fields. Present today to talk about this from New York City, we have myself, Carl, and recording from Los Angeles, we have... Hey there, Casey. Casey? <laughs> Going well. <laughs> so Casey, well, um, since this is our um, Ology Research Group Research in Progress series, I first want to go ahead and just ask you, um, what prompted you to pursue this topic for Ology? Um... This is, I feel like, the first time we get to be nerds and actually flex our statistical background and research and kind of do something that's really interesting. Um, you know, growing up, I, I was not, um, I was fortunate not to be victims of bullying, but I did remember seeing a lot of my peers being victims of bullying, and that's always left a huge impression on, you know, the way I see Bucknings. And, um, this research, when we were, you, when you and I were talking about submitting a conference to the New York Public Health, um, I think we were looking at the data from the CTC uh, child. Um, I forgot the official name of it. Um, it's the the Youth Risk Behavior Surveillance Survey. <laughs> yeah, big mouthful. Yeah, and uh, I, and they had some really interesting variables in there, and one of them was about. How do teens have sex, do drugs, violence, propensity towards self-harm behaviors? And I think when you and I were talking, one of the hypotheses we, we came up with is what if there's a relationship between the bullies and the victims and how they they engage in those behaviors? Um, yeah, that, that, that was one of the things that I thought would be interesting to explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think we're uh, we're always um, very research driven as Ology anyway, and we wanted to take upon this challenge of looking at the YRBS data set from the CDC. It's actually a very well represented um, data set. They in in one of the slides that they provide um, currently on the CDC website, they have um, sample sizes from 1991 to 2017. And it's kind of, it's always, it's almost always been pretty consistent where there's about a 75% response rate, which for any survey is pretty amazing, right? Because yeah. usually in a national survey, you, you wouldn't expect that many people to respond to it. And the sample size ranged from 12,000 students to the, the most recent, that's um, the full data set right now, which is the 2017, which has 14,765 students. And um, it's nationally represented in that there's a whole bunch of states that are in there. So you're, you're not only getting a pretty good sample, you're also getting 46 states out of the 50 states. And in 1991, 
when they start when um I think maybe they went a little bit before that I'm not too sure but in 1991 they had 26 states represented and now they have 46 um, which is really good so um, in the data set we're also able to learn a lot about um, certain certain variables and certain things that the students are asked about they're mm-hmm. asked about um, you know how often they they smoke if they done any underage drinking, for example, if they engage in risky sexual behavior, um, whether or not they wear a seatbelt. So this is kind of like all um, contemporary um, public health in general, like what type of preventive behaviors this, the students take um, mm-hmm. in their adolescence. But we also, we're also interested in this concept of bullying because we know that we've seen it on the news too that a bullied student... Um, commit suicide, for example, because couldn't take the social pressure or could not cope um, right properly. But then you also have the student that is bullied and then goes on, you know, on the unfortunate event, which, you know, the student has access to guns because they're in the household, for example, and they will, you know, um, release their anger that's bottled up because they've been bullied at school. So then that's kind of like what it what some of the adverse consequences are from the the victim side. They can react toward themselves violently or they can react towards others violently too. But then there's also research that shows that um early um when 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 um you're a bully in high school that it's a predictor to um to criminal activity when you're an adult also. So this is kind of like um, a topic that we've chosen that paves the way for um, kind of like forecasting what the future is going to be like also because we want to be able to take a look at what um, you know n- not only what some of the predictors are but also like what have been some of those confirming uh, factors and be able to track them over time yeah and just build on that Research in general is when you deal with kids, especially looking at topics like sex, drugs, and violence. Um, it's, as an individual researcher, it's insanely hard to get those studies because it's, uh, I want to say ethically, but one of the core principles of research is that you don't want to harm your participant. And when you're a minor, it's a lot harder to get the, um, the IRB board, the internal review board to, um, accept your research. So the idea that we can have over like, what, 30 years of research on all these behaviors from minors that otherwise is impossible to get is a gold mine. Um, uh, that's something that uh, is pretty cool. Um, the reason why I think bullying and victims are connected is because when we think about bullying, we only focus on the behavior, you know, like prevention, like, oh, how do you prevent you know, what teachers can do to prevent uh, bullying or how can you stop bullying? And this is behavior based. But but what I'm interested in exploring is what are the factors that we can find that might predict bullying or we could identify from those who are likely to bully versus those who are least likely to bully or those who are on the border fence um, versus those who are more likely to be victims versus those who um the middle kids, kids who are not bullying victims, and but how do they look at uh, behaviors relating to sex, drugs, violence, and you know suicides and self-harm behaviors? How do we, when we look at those in the spectrum, where do they fall in line? And 
one of the analysis that um, we like to do is called uh, segmentation. And in market research, this is a really popular concept. So let's say you have a product that you're trying to sell. A lot of time in market research, what we want to understand is who, which customer segment would most likely enjoy this product and what kind of message can we pitch to them that they would resonate well. So one car, let's say, I mean, so one product, let's say a Volkswagen BW could have three different messages based on the customers who like certain aspects of the car. So I'm wondering if we can apply that same concept to bullying and look at, okay, can we look at those factors as indicators for bullying likely versus victim likely? And if we are able to identify those factors, we could help educators kind of pinpoint and look at the kids around and see, hey, this kid has these traits, not necessarily going to be bullies, but these are tendencies that other bullies uh, could engage uh, or have. So let's work on policy that's Focus more based on those behaviors versus, oh shoot, these are the kind of victims who are more likely to engage in self-harming behavior. So let's figure out another solution that targets specifically towards that behavior rather than having one lump sum bull, uh, poly saying, oh, don't bully or don't do this or, you know, like watch out for that because us as human beings, we're very complex creatures and we exist in a system. So it would make sense that we don't always respond to the same stimuli the way that, um, um, that we think we did. Right. And another another great thing about segmentation is that it can also help to describe categories of people, too. Mm-hmm. So um, to give you an example, in the YRBS survey, one of the questions that's asked is whether or not the student carried a gun on school property, for example. And imagine, as, as Casey was talking, you know, it's hard enough to try to get um, IRBs, which is the institutional review boards that are set up in order to do research on people who are under 18 years old, because, you know, you would need parent consent, for example, in that exa- in, in that instance. But here, since it's a data set that's nationally represented, um, we're able to like segment at least the student population by state, for example. So one of the, the ways that the states have been or, or that students in different states have been segmented is like which proportion of students who answered from the state stated that they carried a weapon on school property. Mm-hmm. So uh, just to give you an example, um, students from um, Massachusetts, New York and Pennsylvania and North Carolina were in the 2.2 to 3.6 percentage. So 2.2 to 3.6 percent of students from those states that I just mentioned indicated that they carried a weapon on school property. Um, so like a gun, a knife, or a club um, to, to hit someone with. Well, not that they intended to hit anybody, but that they brought it with them. Um, mm-hmm. Where in comparison, um, states that had 59 to 10.2% um, who indicated that they brought a weapon on school grounds are students from Idaho, Montana, North Dakota, and Oklahoma, and Alaska. So, you know, normally you you can infer if we're talking about statistics that students are more likely to to utilize their weapon in those states, for example, let's just say. But it does help us to to, um, start to look a little bit more closely at reasons why um, it might be easier 
for students from those states to bring a weapon on on school grounds. It might be the case that they have more relaxed uh, gun laws altogether, um, or that they're not as strict on campus, or who knows. But it does help us to to go into certain directions to start to see if there's any um, policy-based reasons why the states look a little different. Do you think bullying is something that's a modern phenomenon or something that we're starting to be aware of as something unhealthy? I think that it's not a a new phenomenon. I think it's it's kind of like a social thing. Um, Mm -hmm. In a social group where there's unrelated people, I think that it's it's you know natural that persons within that environment try to develop like who's the alpha mm-hmm. so i think that's what it's more about is about kind of like d- determining the alpha but that um is independent of other reasons too like you know a, a student who may come come from a troubled household for example who um, doesn't get treated very well by his or her parents might you know come and project on uh, on a less alpha classmate for example to feel like a little bit of dominance Mm -hmm. but i think we are becoming more conscious of it i think in the past people would be more like defense defensive of it and i remember when i was in high when i was in kindergarten i i or in first grade in new york i remember um seeing one kid hitting another kid and the teacher stopped the class and 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 had the kid who got hit hit the bully back (gasps) and now circa 2019 that would be that would get the teacher totally fired but back then it was probably a little bit more acceptable because they wanted to send the message hey if you hit me I'm going to hit you back and I have the teacher's permission to hit you back. So you better not hit me again. So I think, you know, the the context and the way that we treat bullying has changed a little bit. Um, I also think that the creation of like safe, the the notion of safe space um, has Mm -hmm. also kind of fostered this culture where if you do get bullied, I don't know, like maybe they don't really feel empowered to report it um and they don't feel like they feel like they should not have to hit the person back but imagine if like you know victims of bullies all knew karate for example they would never get bullied i um i I agree with you about the idea of like pack mentality because the bullies are always there there's something different about them versus the victims something different about them if you really look at them as outliers, I feel like those two are the extreme. And somehow they gravitate to each other. Like there's a sense, okay, maybe that's, I don't know. Like some sort of connectedness or like they're, they're two corresponding puzzle pieces that fit together in some way. Yeah, I, I'm, I think most of us don't get bullied. This is not like, um, but statistically, more people witness bullying than be are victims of bullies. Uh, but when you're a minority or when you're gay, that's that percentage is higher. I remember uh, this just even this past year, the um, uh, Glisten, the it, it's a gay organization that, that monitor bullying across the country. 
think the stats was one in three LGBT kids report um, hearing either being bullied or hearing derogatory comments about their sexual orientation. So um, that's pretty that's pretty high too. So um, where am I going with this? Uh, yes, yeah, I don't know. Growing up, I was a small kid. You know, like I could be a good candidate for being a victim of bullying, but I didn't remember having. I didn't have that many bullies or people who bullied me, but I did have a strong support network with friends. Like, you know, I had a close group of friends who were always there. So maybe if I didn't have friends, I'd probably be more likely to being bullied. Um, yeah, and that's what we want to do with this research too. Is like we know that kids get bullied. We know that there's victims of bullies, and this data set provides so much rich information about everybody. And we mm -hmm. know that within that population, we're gonna have respondents who are bullied or are bullies, right? Yeah. Um, so we want to be able to see like um, if there's any sort of relationship between those two groups between students who get bullied and students who are the bullies to see like what what we can derive from it and there's so many variables in the data set that it facilitates um, something in it's a type of regression analysis which we call the stepwise regression which I think is also pretty valuable to use because if you look at the regression formula it implies like a linear relationship so um, one unit to the right equals one unit to the uh, one unit upward. So it implies kind of like a perpetual con continuing um, relationship. And there are some regression models that um, that are sensitive to their position in the formula too. But the, what the stepwise regression does, and it, it it relies heavily on on the power of our modern computer is that it compares all variables against each other to tell us which variables are more predictor of certain outcomes. So like to give you an example, one of the questions on the uh, youth risk behavior survey from the CDC is asking um, whether or not the student was threatened or injured with a weapon on school property. So we'll be able to see, we can assume that those students were bullied by the person who harmed them, right? And we'll be able to look at all of the variables that are in the survey and see which variables are most predictive of a victim, for example. And we want to be able to replicate that same experiment with the bully too. Yeah, I was thinking mixing that with something called cluster analysis, which looks at the mean score, which is basically the average scores of the groups and looking at how far they are compared to each other. And that way you can segment the population on certain scores and you can build that with the stepwise regression and, you know, can determine which factors are most predictive of um, bully versus victims uh, groups and how they respond in relation to the way they commit crimes or do they even do drugs or do they do marijuana versus do they have unprotected sex at an early age or do they have suicidal thoughts? Um, the, and so I think we're jumping a little bit forward. But what is the regression? So that way, the the in case people are not that savvy, would understand what that. What is that different between regression and correlation? 
So the way that I like to describe the a, a regression analysis is like looking at the sky, right? If you look at the sky and it's clear blue, you know that it's not going to rain. If you see some clouds, you know that it might rain. And if you see dark clouds, you know that it probably will rain, definitely. So the regression analysis gives us that insight because in its formula, it, com it compares the variables um, that are in a data set, for example, and it tells us the strength of the relationship between variables. So it'll say this, this relationship is strong or this relationship is very weak. So seeing um, like two variables with a weak relationship is like looking up, wondering if it's going to rain and looking at a, at a blue sky with no clouds, no clouds, no rain. But when there's a strong relationship, or we can also say that the relationship is a co-relation, you can look up and see like very dark clouds and say it's very, very likely going to rain, but it, there, there's zero chance that it's no rain so you know that there's some chance oh that's such a really good metaphor i'm totally seeing that next time <laughs> i'm teaching uh okay so that's a typical regression now what is a stepwise regression if we continue with that analogy with the stepwise regression you're able to look up at multiple skies i guess <laughs> because well, I was like maybe location like where you are in the world so that could be a factor. Like if you're in London where it's perpetually cloudy versus in LA, that might have a factors in whether it rains or not. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's like one variable that might predict whether or not it's gonna rain. Right. And then like something else, like if there are a lot of trees or condensation, like mm -hmm. so that's like another factor that would say, okay, likely gonna rain. Because if you're near Arizona where the desert like Versus when you're in Oregon, where there's lots of trees, that's those factors impact rather than rain. In addition to looking up in the sky. Yep, very true. Yep, so that's a yeah. pretty good one. So, all right, we're now at the 22-minute mark in the episode. Do you want to move on to the bottom line? Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> All right, so let's play rock, paper, scissors and see who gets the question as per tradition. Ready, rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, we both got rock. Ready, rock, paper, scissors, shoot. We both got rock again. Okay. Ready, rock, rock paper, paper, scissors, shoot. <laughs> oh, okay. I think you, you just wanted to give it to me. <laughs> well, I have a good question too if you want to give it Okay, go for it. Okay, my question is: We know that we're gonna paint this this gradient gradient kind of like um, behavior. Some well, from one end we're having lots of bullies, and the other end's having victims' likelihood. What do you think in terms of like self harm behaviors or abuse abuse? fall under victims or bully or like in between can you say that again? so versus you were, so the you first... were cutting off a little bit sure so we're going to create this segmentation on one end we're going to have extremely victims likely on the other hand bully likely right and we're looking at the various factors like how often they engage in sex do they engage in illicit drugs activities or do they commit violence on property or do they engage in self-harming behaviors um, 
where do you think each where do you predict each of those factors will fall into the the gradient of victims and bully okay so the question is basically like what variables do i think are predictive of bullies and victims yes yeah i think that students who have stronger social connections are more likely to be bullies <gasps> in comparison to um, kind of like the loners, quote unquote. And this is because the the student who doesn't have very many friends or walks alone down the hall doesn't have like a like a cushion around him or her to try to like deflect the the bully so they're kind of like open targets i want to say whereas um somebody within a very strong social circle with kind of like very high level of self-esteem might not care about putting down someone because they're already their esteem is already so high that they that they're like in a process of reconfirming this position within their social group like regina george the mean girl yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep what do you think okay. okay so i'm gonna think self i predict the self-harm is more likely related to victims um and propensity towards sex i'm gonna be related to more like normal kids who are neither victims or bullies but in terms of drug abuse, I'm also going to think it's going to be neither. So it's going to be like a group in between. Whereas um, normal teens are more likely to experiment with drugs like marijuana and ecstasy, or like non-addictive substances. And obviously violence to properties, I would say more bully related. And I'm going to argue that both bullies and victims are, are social outcasts. That's a good hypothesis. So it should be interesting once we start digging into those data sets. So, yeah. yeah. Well, right. you know, four months. <laughs> yeah. So um, now we turn to our listeners. Uh, what do you think? Make sure to check out the New York State Public Health Association's Best Practices and in Innovation webinar series. We will be up November 20th to talk about this. And uh, if you have any other ideas for what you'd like to hear on the show, make sure to drop us a line at info at ologyresearchgroup.org. Also check out our website where you can learn about our services, which range from research, evaluation, grant writing, we do a whole bunch of stuff. And if you're interested in donating to our cause or if there's a nonprofit organization that you feel could use our services, um, please feel free to reach out. Ology Research Group is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, so donations are tax deductible. Until next time. Bye.